Hey guys, welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. If you're brand new here, you just stumbled upon us for the first time. I'm really glad that you did, man. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Maybe you just jumped back in after you've been gone for a while. Also glad that you're here too, man. If you're wondering who we are and what we're all about and where we're headed in the future, you can go back and listen to our episode on December 12th, 2022. The title was called The Fight That Changed Everything. It lays out where we've been as a ministry and some exciting stuff that we have in the future and specifically how you can get involved. So again, go listen to December 12th episode in 2022 called The Fight That Changed Everything. Before we jump into today's episode, I do want to thank my friends over at Backgate Prayers for sponsoring this episode. You probably, you should be (laughs) thinking of special gift to get your spouse for Valentine's Day. It's coming up really, really quickly. And if you're like me, I'm not a huge fan of Valentine's Day, but I won't say that out loud too many times. But I do like to treat my wife and get her a really good gift. I think the best gift that you can possibly give, we've been having Backgate Prayers as a sponsor for years now, and they always deliver on giving your spouse the absolute most personalized and just thoughtful gift that you can give them. What they do is they create these custom prayer sets, these marriage prayers card sets for you. You can put them on your desk, you can put them at home in the living room or wherever you want to put them, display them. They're beautiful just by themselves, but they're really practical way to help you how to learn how to pray with and for your spouse. You can pray together or you just individually can pray. One of my favorite prayers, I have one of these sets with a picture of me and my wife on it. And there's a prayer specifically for you as your role as a husband. It says, you have blessed me with the role of courageous leader, sacrificial lover, and relentless pursuer of my wife. Remind me that my identity is found in you alone. Help me nourish, cherish, protect, and provide, putting her needs before mine as I depend on you. And then they give all the scripture references on why they came up with that prayer. So there's a bunch of these prayers that you can have. They're specific to you. You got a picture of you and your wife on there. You can put a picture of whatever you want, your family or whatever, but they're specific to you, man. So they're just really, really awesome personalized gifts. A lot of dad tired guys have got these for their wives over the years, and they always are a hit. So I want you to get them. Again, though, Valentine's Day is coming up very, very quickly, so you need to get them quickly. Uh, The deadline for Valentine's Day gifts to get these shipped out is February 1st. Go to backgateprayers.com. Use the promo code DADTIRED, all one word, and they'll give you a 10% off discount. Again, go to backgateprayers.com and then use the promo code DADTIRED to get your discount. Make sure you do it today. Let's jump into the episode. Rob, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today, man. I think what we're going to talk about is going to be relevant to a lot of guys listening. But before we jump into all of that, kind of the practical stuff, I'd love to just hear maybe who you are and what you're up to these days. You know, happy to share that with you, Jared, and thanks for the opportunity. So uh, for your listeners, you know, here's how I describe myself. Uh, 62-year-old guy, married 35 years, two adult kids, one daughter-in-law, and two precious grandkids that are three and under, uh, living in Maitland, Florida, right outside of Orlando. You know, I would say that I, I think by the mercy and grace of God, I came to Christ when I was eight, but I didn't grow a lick until I was 25. Mm. And then it was really, really slow. And I don't think I really knew how to embrace this faith relationally until I was about 35. So I'll also back up as we're talking about loneliness in men today. I'll just share that when I was in middle school until college, I had seven years of panic disorder and depression. Mm. And After that fact, it left me still somewhat socially impaired, and I would still be prone to depression and anxiety without panic attacks. So I have 
an ability to empathize with people out there who are who are struggling. And I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, I'm curious before it was something you said jumped out to me. You said at 35 is when things started to really sink in and you started to grow. A lot of our listeners are around that age. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys probably feel like, man, I feel like I should be further along in my faith than I am. Maybe they came to know Christ at a young age, been doing the church world thing for a long time, but don't feel like they really have a thriving relationship with the Lord. What changed for you at 35 that kind of accelerated that? Yeah, a couple of things. About that time, I was becoming a new father. And so our son was born, and I was Googling in the early days of the internet, earlier days, spiritual formation and childhood development, personality development. With respect to my parents, I thought, I don't want to raise our son with the legalism and the moralism that I had. And so what can I find? And it was really curious because there was this thing popped up and it was about Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon and catechism. And as a Southern Baptist back in the day, growing up in the deep South, I thought catechism was somehow equated with Catholicism, but I knew I loved Spurgeon. I had read Spurgeon in college and just couldn't get enough of him. So it intrigued me and I clicked the link and Spurgeon was at his London tabernacle and was sharing with his parishioners before he was married that he recommended they catechize their children. And so I'm learning that this is a question and answer format. And he's talking about the 1689, you know, confession. And I look on the first question and it says, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was, or is, to know God and glorify him forever. And this sounds a little unlikely, but I'm sitting in my office by myself and I say out loud, God, enjoy you? I mean, in heaven, but I'm supposed to work for you right now, right? Mm. And it just was a, the beginning of realizing I have missed something. You know, enjoying God had never entered my brain. I had never heard it, never experienced, never thought it, mm. had never been taught it. And then the second thing is with our son, there was a moment in time when the three of us, my wife and son and I were at a parking lot and there was a minor incident of road rage. And I didn't use my head. I got really angry. And I realized after the fact, the other guy used far better judgment than I did. And I had inadvertently put my wife and our son at least in a socially embarrassing place, if not potentially a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And I felt horrible. I thought, okay, this anger that's been with me forever, I've got to do something with that. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, about 35 is when the light started turning on for me. I've talked to a lot of guys, and I think that for whatever, you know how they say the brain doesn't fully develop for a guy <laughs> until you're like 25 or something? I'm like, I think that's around 30. <laughs> you know, I don't know. If yeah, it's a I've always thing. felt like I was 20 years behind. Yeah. I'm going to be 62 tomorrow, and I still feel like I'm in my 40s hmm. psychologically in some ways. Yeah. I think a lot of guys can relate to that. I don't know all the factors that play into that, but I'm like, for me, it was around 30 that I was able to have some of that self-awareness because what you're describing is self-awareness when you had that incident of road rage and the ability to look back. Cause I think most of us in our younger years, we would do that. And then we would justify our behavior. We would never yeah. stop and say, why did I do that? But something happens around 30 
that we got a lot of guys listening who are younger than 30. So don't feel like you, you know, you have to wait till you're 30 to be self-aware. In fact, if you're listening, you probably have some sense of self-awareness. The fact that you even want to grow as a Mm -hmm. husband, father, disciple says a lot about you as a listener, but yeah, man, that's really interesting. I think a lot of guys might hear that, that first part of what you said about Spurgeon. And that might be the biggest thing they take away from this conversation is like, well, I didn't know I was supposed to enjoy God. You know, I didn't even know that there was like a, I thought following God was just kind of this dutiful task list that I'm supposed to get through every day, but I didn't realize that there was like an enjoyment. So I wonder how many guys that will stick out to as well. I know I'm rambling here, but I had a lot of thoughts as you were sharing. The other thought is that catechism, there's a, just for you as a listener, there's what's called new city catechism as a resource. And it's such a good resource. We use that with our kids and it's really, 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 really great. You're familiar with it too. I am. I am. Yeah. And, you know, I think for those of us who didn't grow up with a catechism, maybe there's some suspicion about it, but the catechisms are a question and answer format on any topic. Mm. And some people who did grow up with a catechism might have come away thinking, man, that was stale and that was cold. And I dreaded those classes and wished I hadn't had to do it. But I think if it's presented as this is one way we can almost have a Cliff Notes version of the Bible and pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the truth in the scriptures that, you know, these catechisms often reveal, then it becomes, it becomes relational. Yeah. God is our place of rest. When Jesus ascended, he didn't say to the disciples, I'm sending you the critic. You know, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the comforter. That's right. So there's so much to enjoy about God. And sometimes I wish that I had learned this when I was much younger, but I don't know that I would appreciate God the way I do today Mm. because it's daylight and dark difference. I mean, it's like going from black and white to color. Yeah. It's incredible. Wow. Well, I know you work with a lot of men that are experiencing loneliness Yeah, and you've done a lot of thinking on this topic. I got a text from a friend yesterday. I was really proud of him because he shared honestly what he was feeling, which um, for us dudes, man, just seems like such a hard thing for us to do. I just reached out and said, hey, man, I want to connect. Haven't talked to you in a while. And he just shared really vulnerably. And I feel like I'm failing as a husband. I feel like I'm failing as a dad. My my marriage is falling apart. But he ended it. What he ended with was really, it stuck out to me. He said, I just feel really sad all the time. And uh, I mean, I just, I really appreciated his vulnerability and his courage to just tell me that because I think a lot of guys feel that and we don't know how to say it. And we especially don't know how to say it to ourselves, but to another friend, I think it's a lot more common than most of us want to admit, but this is kind of your wheelhouse. So unpack for us what you found when it comes to loneliness and men. Well, of course, loneliness can be a part of our human condition, which goes back to the fall of humanity. And so when that original break with God occurred, loneliness was installed in the human heart. And then we can think about modern times, you know, after the pandemic and currently, we as a people have gone through quite a bit in the last couple of years, the pandemic, the social unrest, the political unrest, the economy, wars and rumors of wars. And all of those things, if you're not able to receive that and process that and see God in the bigger picture, it's going to leave you perhaps feeling alone 
and then loneliness is likely to follow. But, you know, it's interesting because with your audience being younger, there's a statistic that says young adults are twice as likely to be lonelier than seniors. And I was trying to think that through. And of course, it was talking about maybe even those who are single and not yet married. But I can believe that. It's just kind of surprised me. You know, the younger person, married or not, is living in a really different age than any other population cohorts that the rest of us have lived through. You know, sometimes I even feel like as an older man, I wish that I could apologize for the state of affairs that we're leaving Mm. younger people with, but we would have to go back and make an apology tour all the way back to Adam and Eve. (laughs) But, but nevertheless, you guys who are younger, I mean, it's hard being single and alone. It's hard being married and with children and um, working. And I think that we've just become increasingly self-absorbed and increasingly separated and loneliness is the out is the outcome. I just finished reading one of my favorite books on parenting. It's called Hunt and Gather Parents. It's not a Christian book by any means, but it's really, really fascinating. This woman's research that she did in these third world countries, other countries, remote countries, and how they parent versus how we parent in the West mm-hmm. is really it's one of my favorite parenting books. It's fascinating. But she talked about how we were never meant to parent alone. Like this was always meant to be a community job. And you still see that in many countries where there's aunts involved and neighbors involved and your village involved and cousins, you know, it's just like, and we're just so isolated. I don't know if I've ever really met a guy, at least not very often who would say, I feel lonely. In fact, even that phrase, I don't it's hard to articulate, but even that phrase almost, I think a lot of guys might feel like that's like a more feminine sentence. Yeah. I feel lonely, but I think a lot of guys feel lonely. They just would never put it in that category or what the or the symptoms of their loneliness. They would never like tie the dots and say, oh, that's actually loneliness. Yeah. So I guess maybe let's rewind and like, what are some of the s- symptoms of loneliness where a guy might be like, oh, dang, I am feeling that. And I didn't know loneliness is what that pulls back to. Well, Jared, I totally agree. I mean, in my own case, I would not have said I was lonely, but the emotion I registered the most was anger. Mm. And the anger was inside. I mean, I was a little too sophisticated to go out yelling and screaming and punching holes in the walls. I mean, after all, I'm a counselor, but it was there. Mm. The anger was absolutely there. And sometimes when it gets severe, anger turned inward becomes depression. Mm. And then you start isolating. So loneliness looks like isolating. It looks like feeling grossly misunderstood. Kind of like if you really knew me, you wouldn't want to spend time with me. Mm. You know, I'm not worth it. You know, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. You know, I've got all these responsibilities. And then a lot of times, even more with media or sometimes with sports, we're trying to medicate that loneliness. And so if we're not taking our loneliness back to God and saying, I am, I'm lonely or I'm angry, label whatever it is that's negative. Holy Spirit, help me to discern what I'm really experiencing because I would ordinarily act out. Mm. This is when I would ordinarily medicate. Yeah. 
So I want to like zoom into that a little bit and kind of play that. I think you said it, but you said it quickly and I want to really hone in on it. I guess what is the order that it typically would start with? So I think when you said anger, you probably perked up a lot of ears because a lot of guys would say, I'm not lonely, but dang, I'm angry. I feel grumpy a lot. I feel angry a lot. I always kind of feel on edge. And most of us would never say that that is a a symptom of loneliness. So I really want to camp there for a minute. I also think there's probably some wives who are trying to be a fly on the wall right now. Mm -hmm. And they're thinking, my husband's angry. My husband's got anger issues, but I didn't know he was feeling lonely. Well, I think part of this is what we would call intimacy disorder. Mm -hmm. So this is a psychological term, kind of pop psychology, if we'll be honest. It's a psychological term that I think addresses the psychology of what it is to be a fallen person, mm-hmm. you know, and then to in, to have indwelling sin, even as a born-again believer, and to live in a world that seems to be increasingly falling apart mm-hmm. and away from God. Yeah. And so this intimacy disorder is, is like, okay, I don't have the peace with God that I really need. I don't have the peace with me that I really need, and I don't have the peace with others either. So when you are running on empty, Mm. that engine's running on hot, meaning peace with God, peace with self, peace with others, it's not happening. What's left but loneliness? Mm. You know, so you mentioned earlier, Jared, I completely agree. Loneliness can, can feel like a feminine emotion. And I think that's our American culture. I don't think loneliness is a feminine emotion, but nevertheless, I think that's how we often interpret it. So it's kind of like we can only be angry or we can only be excited as men. Mm. That's it. Maybe bored. Yeah. Loneliness, sad, depressed. Mm-mm. It even carries the stigma of, oh, I got something wrong with me. Yeah. So when a guy sits down with you, and they're describing their life circumstances. They feel, I feel exhausted. I feel like I'm all angry on edge. I feel apathetic. I have no desire to go spend time with other people. I can't get in the word. I don't even feel like I have a close relationship with God right now. Can't connect with my wife, with my kids. Where do you start as he throws all that laundry at you? you know, where do you, where do you begin? Right. Well, I think it, partly depends on your role. Are you serving as a, just a friend and a brother in Christ? Are you serving maybe as a mentor or some kind of recovery sponsor? The things you threw out, I hear through my counseling background, and I'm thinking there's a guy that might be actually depressed. Mm. And so there is perhaps a loneliness that's normal. And then there's a loneliness that can become clinical because it's manifesting as depression. And so the thing that I always want to emphasize is if we learn to cooperate with how God created us, things are going to improve. So how did God create us? He created us to be image bearers of himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we have a trinity of sorts, not the same, but we are spirits created with minds and bodies. And like God, we live in community with others. So what can the guy who's lonely do spiritually? Well, we can tell him to read the Bible more. And I 
wish we all did. And we can tell him to attend church. And I do and hope he does too. But sometimes, you know, we need people with skin on. And so it's reaching out to that brother in Christ. And maybe just as your friend did yesterday, just coming out with the unvarnished truth. You know, or sometimes maybe I'm not ready to do that, but I reach out and say, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Yeah. Just keep the conversation kind of light. So spiritually, what can I do? I'm going to need to connect, connecting vertically with God, connecting outwardly with other brothers. And I would emphasize before going on to talk about the other three areas, it's crucial that men have fellowship with men. Mm. It's crucial. We don't have enough. Now, the second area is the mind. So what can I do psychologically? What can I do with my personality? What can I do in renewing my mind to the reality that God has given me? How can I take my mind and move it in the right direction when I am lonely, discouraged, tired, angry? You know, the word halt, H-A-L-T, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired Mm. is often used in recovery lingo. So when I find myself psychologically hungry, angry, lonely, tired, frustrated, bored, what can I do? And it may be borrowing someone else's thinking for a bit. Is there a book? Is there a podcast? Hmm. Is there a conversation I could have with a neighbor over the fence? And then you go from spirit to mind to body. So this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. How am I to steward this? I mean, here is one of the keys. Yes, loneliness is in the fabric of being a human being. But when we are born again and we receive the atoning work of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit indwells us, I'm personally convinced that we're literally a new creation. Hmm. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 speaks to that, but I'd go a little bit further. It's my opinion. We're actually a different species of human being hmm. to have the living God indwelling us. So if my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm feeling lonely, I may want to act out and medicate that pain. Because my pain will agitate my brain, and it will say, go find me something in sight, sound, touch, smell, or taste. Mm. You'll get me a fix. Mm. That's what pain says to the brain. And so then I'm not stewarding my body. Then I'm not being hospitable to the Holy Spirit who indwells me. So this is where we have to exercise some self-control with the Holy Spirit. So now that spirit, mind, body, and that brings us to relationships. And those who are lonely, some of us are are just prone to being melancholy anyway. And so that can look like isolation. It can look like shame. You know, I am a bad thing because I've done a bad thing. Mm. It can look like shame because I've suffered some kind of trauma and I wouldn't want you to know it. Mm. Or it could be, I just got so much going on. I don't know how to even label it. I might consider it to be some kind of baggage, but no one overcomes these things alone. And so there needs to be community. And if you're married, ideally starting with your spouse and continuing with extended family, especially if they're believers, and you know, continuing with your community of faith. And then outside of that 
larger community of faith. Do you have a friend at work, Christian or not? You know, do you have some kind of thing you enjoy doing? Can you go out with friends, Christian or not, and be the light of Christ in that circle of influence and still have a good time riding your bike or fishing or whatever it happens to be? Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're the one saying, hey, it's me, I'm lonely, or I'm angry, or I'm discouraged, or hey, I have been diagnosed with depression, I would go back, how do I guard my spirit? How do I renew my mind? How do I steward my body? How do I love like Jesus? Mm -hmm. If you cover those four areas, you're cooperating with how God designed you. I like the way you say that, cooperating with how God designed you. I've said it, I've heard it said other ways, but which are similar, but I think it all goes back to the same. How did God design us? You know, God is, a, he invented us. And yeah. how did he design us to best operate and flourish as humans? Um, and I, we don't talk about this a lot in the Christian circles, but man, sometimes when I'm like in a weird spot mentally, emotionally, I will stop and just say, how did I sleep last night? Have I had enough water? <laughs> what kind mm-hmm. of food did I eat? And all it like, it, some of that feels like, oh, geez, Jared's getting new agey. He's getting weird. But it's like, well, I think God created us holistically. The Bible talks about the body a lot. And even love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like there's there's levels to it, you know? And we make things, I think sometimes as Christians, we we can over-spiritualize and we under-spiritualize some things that the Bible actually makes spiritual. And so I like that there's, what you just described is like, there's a holistic, okay? Like, where am I at with the Lord? And sometimes my prayer life, even in those seasons, is just, God, I don't feel at all like talking to you. I don't feel at all like studying the scriptures. I don't feel close to you but I want to. And that's it. God, I want to. That's it. And Lord, would you draw me back? Because I want to be close to you. I don't feel close to you, but man, I really want to. Yeah. And I think the Lord as a father hears those prayers and he's just, he's delighted that we would draw near to him in that way. In other situations, I'm just like, okay, that I'm praying that. Maybe that's my one prayer that I can get out for the day. And then I'm like, did I drink enough water today? <laughs> like, do I need to go to sleep a little bit earlier, turn off my phone? Now turn off the TV, turn off Twitter, and just like go to sleep a little bit earlier, make sure I'm getting some good rest, go on a walk. I know these sound like just like really like, Jared, this is the best advice you can give us, but it's just like, I really think it's holistic. I think it's holistic. You've got to have the balance. That's why I keep coming back to spirit, mind, body, and relationships, because we can only spiritualize and miss mind, body, and relationships. We can only psychologize. Mm. And that's the most important thing that we're spiritual with the Lord. Yeah. That's what uh, I think that better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then miss body and relationships. We can just be kind of doers, you know, mm. busy bees, mm-hmm. behaviorism, mm-hmm. thereby missing spirit, mind, and relationships. And then on the far side, we can just be so relational, we come into a codependency. Mm. And we're not thinking about God and we're not thinking about ourselves. So I don't think it is self-serving to realize, okay, first I need peace with God and Jesus Christ has brought that to me. But in my sanctification, I have to stay mindful of my union with him and the Holy Spirit is one who helps me. Yeah, That's my peace with God. And then the second area of peace is with myself before we even talk about someone else. Mm. 
I mean, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, Ephesians 5, no man hates his own flesh, rough paraphrase, and therefore he will love his wife. How you love yourself, second to God, is a part of the self-care that's needed. So when you're talking about the balance and the variety of things, we call that self-care in counseling and coaching. So, you know, I routinely ask my clients to kind of check in at the, at the top of each session that I have. How did you sleep if I'm meeting you first thing in the morning? How is your day going? How's your energy? Talk to me about your mind. Are your thoughts scattered? Hmm. Are the thoughts kind of locked in? Your feelings? Talk to me about your spirit and your friendship with God. And oh, by the way, how's it going with the wife and kids? Hmm. And so this mindfulness, this self-awareness that you're talking about is just a good, solid practice. I wonder if it would be help. I like real practical things. I think guys, you know, sometimes are just like, tell me what to do, man. And I think we've alluded to that, but I wonder if it'd be helpful for you as a listener, if you just made four boxes and you just like started to fill out, what could I do in these four boxes that are going to help me grow? So maybe can you walk us through like, how could we title those four boxes? I think we've talked about it, but how could we title the four boxes? If you're pulling out a piece of scratch paper, don't do this while you're driving so you don't crash place, but wait till you sit down at the desk. Let's title the four boxes and then let's put like, what's one thing we can do in each of these boxes that is going to move us forward. I love it, Jared. So I think in terms of a spreadsheet, the boxes are just as good. I'm not good at spreadsheets, man. Numbers. (laughs) When I think of spreadsheet, I think of math and then I start. All right, we'll go boxes so we don't have any math phobia going on. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Okay, box number one is your spirit. Okay. A synonym would be your heart, Hmm. your will. So this is where you really connect with God, deep calling to deep out of Psalms, if you will. Hmm. So what's the one thing you can do? I'm going to say it's 1A and 1B, maybe 1C. They're all connected. But yes, we need to be in the Word. But I think we're going to have to go to the Holy Spirit and say, you know, you are the author in resident, in residence. You have written the best selling book of all times. Hmm. Would you teach it to me? Don't let me read this, this book without being in sync with you. Hmm. And then that leads to, meditating about what I'm reading and what you're showing me. And then that leads to praying. You know, the the newfangled approach is as busy as we are, we count those as three separate things. Reading the scripture, sometime later thinking about it, sometime later praying about it. The old masters of the faith would basically say those are all one thing. So that's in your box for spirit. This is how you guard your heart. I love that. That's the goal. Guard your heart. I love all right. That. And just as a side, just as a side note there, as you're saying that, I love how you ended that guard your heart, man, brother, as you're listening to this, there are a million things trying to chase, to tackle your heart right now, to to come after your heart, a million things, everything wants your heart and nothing is as deserving of it as the one who created it. So yeah, Yeah. guard your heart. I love that. Okay. Box Box number two is your mind, your personality, psychology, if you want to think of it that way. And that's not a dirty word. Psychology from the Greek means basically study of the soul. Mm -hmm. So what I would do with that is think, okay, the scripture teaches me I need to renew my mind. So now we're leveraging being in the word that we've talked about. 
But here's what's often missed. As men, we tend to compartmentalize. So I've got my Bible over here, but I got my real problems over there. Yeah. And I don't bring them together. Yeah. And so I'm always sharing with people, if we're not living in reality, we're missing out on God because God is the ultimate reality. Mm. And God is not only sovereign, but he is fantastically good, Mm. completely enjoyable. And if you're five degrees out of reality, over into denial or minimization, you're missing out. Mm. And so I've got the scriptures that I'm reading over here, but what if I'm in a marriage that's not working right now? Or what if I've got the scriptures here and I've never married, I've never had a relationship? Or what if I've got the scriptures here, my wife and I have a child and that child is very ill? You know, or what if I've got the scriptures here and there's a downturn in the economy or I've been laid off? So bring your reality to to God's ultimate reality Mm. and renew your mind. Mm. And so practically that can look like journaling. And a lot of men might, you know, hold their nose. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. Don't knock it till you tried it. (laughs) And just write it for yourself. Bullet point it if you want to. Mm. The journal would be helpful. Sometimes writing what I call therapeutic letters. If you've got someone you need to forgive. Maybe you can't even get to them, or maybe it wouldn't be appropriate to do so. Write this letter to the Lord about how I want this person to prosper with you and don't hold them accountable for what they've done to me. In the spirit of Christ, as you've forgiven me, I forgive them. So this is renewing your mind. The third box is your body, and you've alluded to this. And this is an area that has been my roughest. When I was recovering I didn't have these four boxes to share. And I developed what I call my iceberg model of Christian spiritual formation, which is really the four boxes. But, you know, we are like icebergs. Our behaviors are just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. Underneath our behavior are drivers. The drivers are in that metaphorical water and they're difficult to see. Mm -hmm. But if you're not taking care of your body, it's going to catch up with you. So that's hydration, that's exercise, even if it's simply walking. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to walk a half an hour a day. I don't always get there, but I try to. Mm-hmm. It's recreation, uh, sleep. I mean, I think, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep a night, two or three really nutritious meals, healthy snacks, and 30 minutes of walking. And if you get that in rhythm and you're doing that as a stewardship, you know, I don't own this, this body. That's right. It's on loan to me. And if I'm doing this unto God and actually practicing his presence while I'm doing these things, then this becomes, you know, even more of the joy. So that's the third box. Yeah. Also, I'll throw in a little another side note here, just as a as a tip for guys that what I try to do now is four nights a week, I'm taking I have four kids. So one of them on a walk oh, around my whole neighborhood. It's I've mapped yeah. it out, it's a mile. So I'm getting one-on-one time with one of my kids every week and I'm getting a mile in of a walk, which is surprisingly feels amazing. And then you do it before yeah. bed and you could, you sleep better and they typically sleep better as well. So yeah. that's a little tip to kill two birds with one stone there. That's fantastic. And so that's really a good segue into the last box relationality, because it's really going to kind of leverage what's been happening in your spirit, your mind, and your body. And now it is moving out toward others. Yeah. You know, it's an outfacing posture. 
as opposed to loneliness, which is very, you know, here I am, you know. So the relationality, I mean, it's it's looking at who might be standing over there in the corner, maybe needing someone to come along and say, hey, how's your week been? Mm. And that used to be me. Social anxiety, for example, wouldn't necessarily know how to start a conversation and wouldn't want to risk a conversation. Yeah. You know, that was certainly true, has been certainly true for the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like everybody carries a burden. Everybody needs recovery. I don't care who we are, how different we may be in color, ethnicity, education, finances. We've got far more in common with each other than we have that yeah. separates us. Yeah, that's right. And so it's just trying to, to be in that space of saying, you know, I see you mm-hmm. right now in this moment in time. I see you. It's interesting how that does so well for our mental health. You think about when Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. But somehow when I am aware of the person in front of me and I heard someone once, I actually was back in the day, the CEO of Southwest gave this little presentation at this conference I was at. And they said, I want to leave people better than I found them. Every human interaction Mm -hmm. I have, I want to leave them better than I found them. I took that, when I walked away, I thought, I want everyone that I interact with to be a little bit closer to Jesus by the time I'm done interacting with them than when we started. So when you have those kind of eyes, I think through when the electrician came over to our house to fix something, you know, you just get something done. But really, I'm thinking this is a soul in my home. And how do I point them just a little bit closer to Jesus? And it's funny, even when you're having a bad day, if you have that mindset, you just invent, you look them deeper in the eyes. You ask them a little bit of a deeper question. You you follow mm-hmm. up with the second question on how they're doing, whatever it is. Somehow that fuels or fills my soul too. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, there, it goes back to what you're saying that somehow I, I walk away and it goes again, back to the way I think God created us. How do we flourish as humans? There just seems to be something that goes well for my soul as well. Yeah. You know, as I've gotten older, the desire of my heart in finishing well has kind of been distilled into one primary idea. And I don't always do it well, but my desire is to be a place of rest Mm. for others. Mm. But that's who God is for me. Mm. And so that rest first should be extended toward my wife, Renee. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm seeing and have seen for more than 35 years as a counselor we tend to give our best to everyone else. Yeah. And our wife and kids get what's left over. Yeah, it's convicting. But how can you be a person of rest for your spouse? How can you be a person of rest for your children? You know, if you have aging parents, how can you be a person of rest for them? And what if any of these people are basically restless? Mm. You know, what if they're not? Filling your love tank, if I could put it that way. Mm -hmm. Circumstantially, they're not a person or place of rest for you. Or maybe you as a man, husband or father, carry more responsibility than the others. So that's that vertical. Peace with God first. If I'm not receiving his rest, I can't be restful and I can't extend rest to anyone else. Yeah. We have what's called a family leadership program, and so much of what we talked about today, we cover in that program in depth. So one of the things we do in that program is we talk about a morning routine 
where we're just spending time with the Lord. We're talking about what do we want to accomplish today, spend some time in the word. We actually give a whole practical, like physical thing, exercise routine mm-hmm. that guys can do. So it kind of hits all four of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about that real practically. We also talk about every week. So we go through who are you as a man? Who are you as a husband? Who are you as a father? And who are you in your community at work and in, as a neighbor? And we talk about, at, we end each of those weeks with talking about how do we first find rest in our own soul? And then the second week, how do we give our wife rest? How do we give our kids rest? How do we give wow. those around us rest? So right. that's just kind of a shameless plug for you guys who are listening. If you want to be part of our family leadership program, we'd love to have you be part of it. And we cover a lot of this stuff in the context of community. So there are other dads who listen to this podcast who are going through it with you in your cohort, and you guys can wrestle through this stuff together. So thank you, Rob, for giving me a chance to give a little shameless plug there. But also, man, you said two things that stuck out to me as we kind of wrap up here. One, you said, you know, for many of years of your life, you didn't want to be the one to start the conversation or how would I have that conversation? And then you also said, I want to be the person who offers rest to the people I'm interacting with. I will say one brother you gave us great conversation today, man. And for a guy who said, I don't want to start the conversation. This was a really, really life-giving conversation, which leads me into my second point, which you said you want to be a person who gives others rest. I feel more rested, man, just being in your presence and hearing some of your wisdom. So thank you for carving out some space and time to share with us today. I think God has used you to speak to me and to a lot of other guys. And I I can't thank you enough for, for doing that, man. Thank you. Jared, it's really my pleasure. And, you know, on behalf of Focus on the Family, if you guys want to reach out to us, 800-A-FAMILY, we're there to receive you. We can talk with you. We can find resources and referrals and offer prayer. Or if you're on your smartphone, you can go to focusonthefamily.com slash get help. Such a great resource. I'm a huge fan of Focus on the Family and what you guys are doing. So thanks, brother. This has been really, really good. I look forward to staying in touch. I'd love that. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, we'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join our free community by going to connect.dadtired.com. Again, that's connect.dadtired.com. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.